Coming up next on the Passion Struck Podcast. My whole clinical practice is how can I optimize people the whole way through? And I use that foundational testing piece, the health optimization medicine piece. I use the hyperbaric piece, which is fantastic synergizer accelerator. And then I use other things along the way, whether it be supplements, diet to very specific goals that people have. I use nootropics. I use lots of other things that you can kind of throw in there, which are brain enhancing supplements. Um, I use athletic enhancing stuff. I do, you know, depending on the person that I'm working with, you have to personalize it to them. But for me, the foundation is always the framework of looking at that cellular foundation using health optimization medicine. On top of that, I will use hyperbaric therapy as my synergizer accelerator. And then in addition, I will use various techniques and practices that are very focused on these on a patient's goals, whatever they may be. Welcome to Passion Struck. Hi, I'm your host, John R. Miles. And on the show, we decipher the secrets, tips, and guidance of the world's most inspiring people and turn their wisdom into practical advice for you and those around you. Our mission is to help you unlock the power of intentionality so that you can become the best version of yourself. If you're new to the show, I offer advice and answer listener questions on Fridays. We have long form interviews the rest of the week with guests ranging from astronauts to authors, CEOs, creators, innovators, scientists, military leaders, visionaries, and athletes. Now, let's go out there and become passion struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 147 of passion struck recently ranked as one of the top 50 most inspirational podcasts in the world. Thank you to each and every one of you who comes back weekly to listen and learn how to live better, be better and impact the world. In case you missed some of our past episodes earlier in the week, we had on Dr. Michael Slepian and discussed his new book, The Secret Life of Secrets. Last week, I interviewed Trisha Manning on the importance of intentional leadership through the lens of her book, Leading with Heart and Leaving a Legacy. I also interviewed Dr. Sarah Fay about her new book, Pathological, the true story of six misdiagnoses. My solo episode from last week was on the importance of micro choices and how they impact not only our daily life, but the long-term plans that we have. Please check them all out. And I wanted to thank you so much for your continued support and all your five-star ratings and reviews. I know both the guests as well as we love to read those reviews. And if you truly love any of these episodes, would you please forward them to friends or family members? It means so much to us to help build up this Passion Struck community. Now, let's talk about today's guest. Dr. Scott Schur is an internal medicine doctor certified in hyperbaric oxygen therapy, also known as HBOT, and health optimization medicine, also known as HOMI. Dr. Scott is the founder of Integrative HBOT and is one of the few providers in the world who uses an integrative approach to HBOT. This approach includes cutting edge and dynamic HBOT protocols comprehensive laboratory testing, targeted supplementation, personal practices, and synergistic technologies. Dr. Schur's clients include high-level athletes, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, weekend warriors, coders, tons of biohackers, gamers, and many others. In our interview, we start out by talking about why he became a doctor and how in his third year of residency, he discovered hyperbonic chambers hidden in the basements of hospitals. Why this has become his life's work and how he 
balances practicing internal medicine with alternative modalities focused on help for recovery, inflammation, peak performance, and neurodegenerative recovery. We discuss in detail HBOT's use for both acute brain injury care, as well as those who are suffering from post-concussion syndrome. Lastly, Dr. Schur explains how HBOT can help with peak performance and the cutting edge use of nootropics. All that and so much more. Thank you for choosing PassionStruck and choosing me to be your host and guide on your journey to creating an intentional life. Now, let that journey begin. I am so excited today to have Dr. Scott Schur on the Passion Struck Podcast. Dr. Scott, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. Nice to be here. I'm actually ecstatic to have you on the show, and we'll get to that in a little bit. It happens to do with a movie that you were in called mm-hmm. Quiet Explosions, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that later in the episode. But I guess where I wanted to start is you and my girlfriend actually have something in common, and that is both of your parents were chiropractors Hmm. and both of you went into the medical field and she today is a nurse practitioner, but a lot of the alternative approaches to medicine that she learned from her father really influenced the way that Mm -hmm. she practices and who she is today. So Mm -hmm. I thought maybe a great thing to do would be to go through your journey of one, why did you become a doctor? How did having a father as a chiropractor influence you? And then we can go into how it led you to where you are today. Of course. Happy to always talk about that story and my father and that perspective. It's pretty cool that your girlfriends did the same thing or had a chiropractor and went into sort of the medical profession. It's not that common, actually. A lot of chiropractors, sons and daughters will go and be chiropractors or alternative practitioners. And for me, I think I grew up in his office. I grew up in my, in my father's office. I grew up there as a kid, getting adjusted, seeing patients that he would see just you know, hanging out in the, in the waiting room. And then I worked the front desk and would collect money when he, was, uh, when he was in practice and I was older and I was in high school and I wanted some extra cash so I can go out with my friends. And, but I, I always enjoyed the way he worked with people and how holistic it was. Um, but I also felt and he even would reflect this back to me that he was limited as a chiropractor as what he could do. He couldn't do various things that he wanted to do because he didn't have a medical license. He didn't have the ability to write prescriptions, for example. And so I decided, I think around 18, maybe a little bit older than that, I went to UCLA for undergrad, that I wanted to do more the medical route. And the idea was, well, maybe I can find a way to bridge the chasm between the alternative world, the sort of OG functional medicine world of chiropractic. They really were the first functional medicine kind of doctors. And then bridge that chasm to the conventional world and learn all about that and see where I could kind of bring it all together. And I didn't really know how that was all going to play out. I went to medical school. And like a lot of people, when you go to medical school, you get sort of like tantalized with all these professions or these specialties that make tons of money. You could be a dermatologist and make $700,000 a year. You could be a radiologist and be in a dark room looking at images the rest of your life and make $800,000 a year. A lot of money. It sounded like a lot of money to me. And it was a lot of money. Obviously that is still now a lot of money, but I always try to remember what I was doing this for. And interestingly enough, I was in a trauma center my third year of medical school in a place called shock trauma at the university of Maryland in Baltimore, where I trained and the trauma center had a huge hyperbaric facility in the basement. They were using it for soft tissue injury, traumatic wounds for burns, carbon monoxide poisoning, necrotizing fasciitis, which is a type of flesh eating bacteria. And 
first of all, I had no idea what it was initially, but what I did see was that I had some of my patients that we were seeing, like that came into the trauma center, go down and into the chamber and come back dramatically better from all these different various things. And when I realized after talking to some of the techs that it was just oxygen and pressure combined to drive more oxygen into circulation and all these amazing things were happening, I was, I took a step back, even though I was really tired because we were working every three nights for 30 hour shifts at the time. So this is called Q3 for those who care. And you were on Q3 calls. So every three nights you were at the hospital for 30 hours, you'd go home and then you'd sleep. And then the next day you'd repeat the cycle every three. And I did this only for, for two weeks, but more commonly it was Q4 when you're in residency. So every fourth night you were up for 30 hours. They've changed all those rules since I was in residency, actually. Now they don't allow that anymore. I was reflecting back to myself, like this is just oxygen and pressure. This is not that difficult to understand. And it's extremely powerful what we're seeing in the acute setting. What else is out there? What else has been done in this field? And so then when I had time, I started doing research and understanding that this is a foundational technology. We're just increasing the amount of oxygen in circulation, allowing just the accelerated ability for healing, recovery, optimization, both in in the acute setting, but also like long-term with people that have injuries, actually regenerating the architecture of tissue, revitalizing the architecture of tissue and doing it with this shift in epigenetics and the way that the genes are being transcribed by the DNA as a result of being in the chamber. So that got me really excited about what I could do going forward in the field. And it took me a little while to get there, but when I came out to California in 2013, I became a medical director of a hyperbaric facility in downtown San Francisco. And that's what I got my really on the ground training. And then it was from there that I really gravitated towards more of a let's call it integrative approach to hyperbaric therapy, where it wasn't just about getting into the chamber. It was about what are you doing before, during, and after? How are you optimizing on all these levels to make sure that the chambers were doing the best that they could to get to you where you wanted to go? So is it okay for me to think in the sense of HBOT is kind of like high altitude training in some ways? Well, it's the exact opposite, but it has similar ideas in the sense that if you're high altitude training, you're getting less oxygen in circulation. In a hyperbaric environment, you're getting more oxygen in circulation. They're both, they're both causing stresses on the system. That is for sure, but they're causing different types of stresses on the system. So um, the altitude training is very much commonly used for, uh, for people that are doing elite athlete kind of sports and, and those kinds of things, because what it does is it increases your body's oxygen carrying capacity. And it does that by stimulating the production of something called epigen or EPO for short. EPO is a hormone that when produced increases the number of red blood cells in circulation. And we carry oxygen on red blood cells typically to get from our lungs where we, where we take a deep breath, the oxygen comes in and it goes through the rest of our body to all of our tissues. Then it becomes what's called the final electron acceptor in your mitochondria making energy ATP. Okay. So typically we make our oxygen carrying capacity is preordained by how many red blood cells you have in circulation. So you can increase the number of those by altitude training, for example, and increasing the amount of EPO that you're producing. And you can also inject EPO. This is what cyclists like Lance Armstrong and others did to increase their red blood cell mass, their number of red blood cells. But in a hyperbaric environment, actually, we're increasing your oxygen carrying capacity by actually diffusing or infusing oxygen directly into the liquid or the plasma of your bloodstream. Because you only have a certain amount of oxygen carrying capacity of your red blood cells, because you have a certain amount of hemoglobin on each of those red blood cells that carries oxygen. Simply, you have just a number of red blood cells. That's how much oxygen you usually can carry. But if you go into a hyperbaric environment under pressure, 
that pressure actually drives more oxygen in circulation. So you can get up to 1200% more oxygen in circulation in compared to what you can do at sea level. And that's a huge amount more oxygen that does a lot of different things almost immediately when it gets into the body. And red blood cells only have a certain amount that it can carry, right? So you have all the amount that's being carried by the red blood cell, you have all the extra that's being carried in the plasma. So acutely, what, what happens is you have an acute infusion of all that oxygen. So if you have any tissue that's at risk of dying, if you've had a traumatic brain injury, if you've had a stroke, if you've had a cardiac event, if you've had a, uh, a spinal cord injury, if you've had a partial limb amputation, and you have tissue that's at risk of dying, if you can get a lot of oxygen in circulation, it's going to get more oxygen into tissue. It's like diffusion of water or osmosis. It's basically the more oxygen you get in a blood vessel, the more that's going to diffuse out of that blood vessel and get further into tissue. So that's extremely important in acute trauma or an acute infection or in a lot of acute situations. There's also a massive decrease in inflammation, decrease in swelling, there's also both actually lymphatic flow out and venous flow out of tissue. And there's also a massive release of stem cells as well. So all these stem cells are these baby cells in our body that get released from various areas and go to the areas where there's injury, where there's inflammation, where there's infection, all these kinds of things. We're also revving up the immune system. So there's all these immediate things that are happening with all that extra oxygen in circulation. So it is a profound shift in your physiology. And as a result of that, you get that acute phase of things that I just described. Also, it also can combat infection, especially infections that do not like high oxygen environments. Uh, and at the same time, all that oxygen is creating a stimulus where your body has this shift in its DNA and expression that starts giving you these benefits of a longer oxygen infusion hyperbaric protocol, where you're seeing the, the scaffolding, the rebuilding of architecture, the new blood vessels, the, the tissue that starts getting uh, mature, like new cartilage, new bone, new neurons, new heart cells, all that stuff, inflammatory markers going down, um, all these kinds of things. So it's a regenerative technology. It's regenerative capacity that just gets hugely accelerated and it's being used in so many different types of contexts. I want to break down some of this into a little bit more granular level. I heard you say that you can get up to 1200% more oxygen. And my understanding is that there are, are two different types. There's a soft version of this and a hard shell version. Is that correct? Types of chambers. Yes, correct. And what's the difference between the two chambers? So most of the soft-sided chambers go to milder pressure. That means pressure that is less than you would get in a hard or a medical grade chamber. So we didn't talk a lot about pressure, but what we do in a hyperbaric chamber is we simulate the amount, a certain amount of seawater pressure. We know that water is extremely heavy. You pick up a bucket of water, it's heavy. You're swimming in the ocean underneath the water. You don't feel that heaviness because you're weightless underneath the water, but there's a lot of pressure on your body, depending on how deep you go. So the deeper you are underneath the ocean, for example, the more pressure that is above you, all that water above you. In a hyperbaric environment, we're simulating that pressure. You don't feel like you're underwater. You just feel like an air pressure type of change. If you've ever scuba dived before, John, you know what I mean? It's like that, yep, that exactly. air pressure change that you, that you feel. And so- the milder units go to about 10 or 15 feet of seawater equivalent. And that's between 1.3 and 1.4 atmospheres in our hyperbaric lingo. Everything comes from diving in hyperbaric therapy because hyperbaric therapy was invented to actually reverse the bends or decompression illness that was happening to Navy divers, bridge builders, and others back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And so that's how it got started. And so all the terminology is based on water for the most part. So 
a mild unit typically goes to between 1.3 and 1.5, and a medical grade unit typically will go between 2.4, 3.0, or even deeper pressures. So some interesting kind of points to, to pick out here. At three atmospheres of pressure, which is the equivalent of 66 feet of seawater, so 66 feet below the sea, we can saturate so much oxygen into circulation that you don't need any red blood cells to maintain your physiologic function. So that's how much oxygen you can actually saturate without having any red blood cells that would typically carry oxygen. So this is used in trauma settings for people that have had acute hemorrhage, acute blood loss because of trauma, for example. You can temporize them in a hyperbaric environment. If the patient's a Jehovah's Witness and they won't get blood transfusions because of religious reasons, you can temporize them in a hyperbaric environment. So that's one data point to mention. The other data point to mention is that the different levels of pressure and oxygen correlate to where the optimal the optimal indications are. So for example, like between 1.3 and 2.0, those are most of our neurologic indications. Those are things that are more brain and spinal cord focused. So patients with stroke, traumatic brain injury, dementia, MS, other kinds of things that are more neurologic focused. And then outside of the, the brain and spinal cord, the peripheral nervous system and sort of systemically, we have pressures between 2.0 and 2.8 typically. We don't usually go deeper than that unless it's an emergency situation. And that's for things outside the central nervous system that are that we have a focus for, for example. So there's a bit of a delineation. So, uh, And there's a lot of nuance to it, even in those ranges. But in general, neurologic protocols are 1.3 to 1.75, 2.0 tops. And then systemic protocols are 2.0 to 2.8 typically. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is you absolutely get to learn about so many new fascinating things. I'm loving this discussion. And it's interesting because earlier in the week, I had former astronaut Nicole Scott on the podcast. And nice. interesting to me, uh, Nicole is both an astronaut and an aquanaut. And she was one of the first person to go up to the space station. And before they went up there, I had no idea this even existed, but NOAA has an underwater laboratory mm -hmm. off of Key West. Yep. And she spent almost three weeks there uh, underwater. So while she was doing that, was she kind of going through HBOT in a way? She was, yeah. So I have a good friend of mine. He's a researcher down in Florida. I think maybe you know Dr. Dominic Diagostino. And he's in Tampa as well. And he's done a lot of work in the ketogenic world and a lot of basic science, a lot of bench work, a lot of, a lot of great stuff in cancer as well. And so he and his wife were there as well. I think a very, if it wasn't the same rig, it was a very similar rig where you're deep down underneath the water. It's basically like you're in a submarine and you stay in a submarine environment for weeks at a time. So that is a hyperbaric environment. Yes, it is. In a hyperbaric environment, in it, like on, at sea level where you are, and I'm not at sea level, I'm 5,000 feet up, but for all intents and purposes, you know, above land, um, you, what you're doing is you're getting somebody in a hyperbaric environment, you're increasing the amount of pressure to what we prescribe. And then we're increasing the amount of oxygen that you breathe. Typically in the air that you're breathing now at 21% oxygen at sea level, at 15% where I am in Colorado, but you're getting it 21% oxygen in circulation. And um, in a hyperbaric environment, we'll increase that amount up to about 100%, depending on the type of chamber that you're in. Sometimes we give you an oxygen concentrator and get you up to 60%. Other times we do 100% oxygen on a face mask. It just depends on the type of chamber. It depends on the type of indication, et cetera. In the case of the astronaut you're talking about, and, and my colleague, Dr. Diagostino and his wife, uh, Scylla, they were in a pressurized environment. So they increase the amount of pressure so that because they're under sea, under the sea, but they don't increase the amount of oxygen. So it's still 21% oxygen. So 
there is less of a risk for oxygen toxicity as a result of that or having any potential downsides of being in that environment. But it's also very interesting because they've done some studies and people that have been in those environments and how it does change physiology. And certainly it does increase the amount of oxygen in circulation, regardless if you increase the amount of oxygen that you're breathing or not. And that's just because of the pressure itself driving more oxygen in circulation. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things. And Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers... According to a recent survey, saying Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit. To get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck, just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. It's my understanding that insurance today, unless you're suffering from high altitude sickness, does not cover these treatments. But in many other parts of the world, more and more countries are actually legitimizing its use officially. Is that an accurate way to look at it? Well, in the US, there's 14 indications that are covered by medical insurance and Medicare, but almost all of them, except for four, are acute care trauma setting kinds of things. The four that are not acute care trauma are diabetic foot ulcers. So people with late stage diabetic foot ulcers that are at risk for amputation, chronic bone infections called osteomyelitis, radiation injury from cancer treatment. So if you've had radiation for cancer and you've had an injury from the radiation, that's been longstanding, greater than six months after the injury or occurs six months post-radiation, then hyperbaric therapy is a fantastic way of healing up that tissue and unfortunately vastly underutilized for that particular indication. And then there's also flaps and grafts from plastic surgery. So if you get a flap or a graft in surgery, plastic surgery, if you've had a breast uh, surgery for cancer, for example, and you've had a breast reconstruction and things aren't healing and you've had radiation in that area, that you can use hyperbaric therapy even if you haven't had radiation, actually, you can use hyperbaric therapy to help heal, heal tissue if it doesn't look like it's going to heal kind of thing. Um, there's also sudden hearing loss as well. This is pretty uncommon, but if it's in patients that get sudden neurologic related hearing loss, hyperbaric therapy is a very, very, very effective way of regaining hearing if it's done very quickly. That being said, in other countries around the world, Japan is probably the leader here, but there's also China and Russia. They have about 70 seven zero indications where they use hyperbaric therapy. There was actually a study done on Chinese Olympic skiers. They were using the chambers for recovery and had significant impact on their recovery and their performance at the Olympics as well. So 
definitely using it for a lot of athletes for a lot of different reasons, but recovery, optimal performance, injury recovery as well, not even just regular recovery, huge amount. We'll be right back to our interview with Dr. Scott Scher. This year, one of my goals is to try to revive my Spanish for an upcoming trip I have to Puerto Rico with Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Not only is learning a new language fun, the whole Babbel process is addictively fun. It's fast. It's easy. Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons for real-world use. And I use my daily morning walks to digest Babbel's 15-minute lessons, which make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. I also enjoy their games. Other language apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 actual language experts. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. Start your new language journey today with Babbel. And right now, save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash passionstruck. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash passionstruck for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Now, back to my interview with Dr. Scott Schur. So kind of a funny question. Today, they've got all these IV bars that yep. if you're hungover, they can give you an IV. Would If you were hungover and you went into one of these chambers, would you actually feel better afterwards? As long as you were hydrated. So I would do it combined with hydration because what hyperbaric therapy is going to do is it's trying, going, trying to infuse oxygen into the liquid of your bloodstream. But if you're dehydrated, that's the liquid that you don't have. So it's not yeah. going to work as well. And it's also going to rev up energy production. And if you're not mineral mineral depleted. If you're not hydrated, it's, it's going to be harder for you to see the results, but I do have protocols that I've worked on over the years for things like jet lag and hangovers and muscle recovery and sensory deprivation, all these other kinds of things that, that can certainly be used on a day-to-day basis for, for many of us these days, as we're all traveling again, or some of us are traveling again. But so the answer, the short answer is yes, but the key always for me, John, is it, it's not just about getting in the chamber. It's like, what are you doing to optimize before? What are you doing during? What are you doing after to kind of give you a framework that helps you move through your experience in the most optimal way possible? And so I work with clinics all over the country, all over the world, actually, just uh, started with working, working with one in Australia and Dubai just recently. And like all these clinics are looking at hyperbaric therapy as one main thing that they do, but they also have other technologies that they're using together, or they're doing laboratory testing, or they're doing chiropractic, or they're doing massage or other things to kind of help support their patients and make them better. And using hyperbaric therapy is, again, for me, and I'm biased, it's this fantastic and one of the best sort of enhancers and synergizers and accelerators that you can get because you're getting more oxygen in the system. I wanted to go uh, a little bit deeper into the stem cells. I'll use this example. Recently was listening to Tony Robbins. Uh, He's talking to all these world renowned doctors about Mm -hmm. alternate therapies for reversing aging, but Mm -hmm. he goes into how he somehow or another porous rotator cup. He went to all these doctors and all of them said, the only option you have is surgery. And then he finally said, I'm going to get an alternative approach to this. And Mm -hmm. this doctor said, before you get surgery, I want you to go down to Panama and get from umbilical cords, stem cells. He said within 48 hours, the pain was completely gone. 
And not only that, he had a back injury for many years and was constant pain for that. How is that stem cell type of treatment different than what you would get with this type of uh, treatment? It's funny. I went to a Tony Robbins conference in 2016, I think it was. And he was on stage talking about his recovery from mercury poisoning using hyperbaric oxygen therapy with a colleague of mine in Australia at the time, because he has a house, I believe around Melbourne someplace. So he's a big fan of hyperbaric therapy too, that much I know. And he's used it a lot in his recovery and his optimization for a guy like him that's on stage and doing what he does. I mean, he does everything that he can to be at the best shape that he can be. And stem cells are interesting. There are lots of different types of stem cells, and I'm certainly not an expert in all the various levels or various types that there are. There are the ones that come from your own body or the ones that I mostly work with. Those are the ones that get produced in your bone marrow for the most part. Your bone marrow makes new stem cells all the time. This is if you ever get a stem cell transplant, hopefully you don't have to, but, or if you're getting stem cells removed to give it to somebody else, they typically will take some sort of like sharp knife kind of thing and scrape your iliac crest, which is the back of your kind of your hip bone on the back here. And that's where a lot of your stem cells are. That's, these are cells that your body's making on their own and they're produced all the time. So I can't remember the, the clip, but just to give you a sense, like every 90 days you go through all your red blood cells. So you get a completely new set of red blood cells every 90 days. I think your skin is every two years. Your immune system is every six months or something like that. I can't remember, but all these things are always being turned over. Everything in your body is being turned over at a pretty quick clip overall. And so stem cells are used to be able to do that. And so there's different types of stem cells. There are stem cells that are baby cells. These are cells that can make any type of cell in the body. And then there's also these, what are called progenitor cells. And these are cells that kind of park themselves in various types of tissue and can become that kind of tissue when they're stimulated to do it. Okay. So what we're doing in a hyperbaric chamber is that we're stimulating your body's natural stem cells to be released from the bone marrow and to be maturing in the various cell types that are required. For example, if you have a cartilage injury, those are the types of cells that are going to be stimulated. If you have a neurologic injury, et cetera. And so what Tony and others are doing, and, and I actually work with different providers around the world that are using exogenous or using stem cells from outside the body. And there are a lot of different types of stem cells from outside the body. There are adipose derived, there are fat derived stem cells. There are, um, there are umbilical derived stem cells. Um, there are, um, probably like 10 other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. And there's also other stem cell products that are coming from the bloodstream. I have a couple of friends of mine that are using what are called V cells, very small, um, stem cells that are coming from the bloodstream, for example, and activating, activating these stem cells with low level light therapy, interestingly enough. So what we think though, is that the, the more nascent, the more baby the cell is, the more it has the ability to, to form any type of cell, even if your stem cells can do the same thing, the more robust stem cells are going to be from fetal tissue or from fetal, um, from placental tissue, from umbilical tissue, embryonic tissue, et cetera. So that's why these clinics are in Panama and other places that are using these exogenous types of stem cells. Um, at the same time, I've actually worked in a lot of protocols using stem cells that they are giving along with the, the using hyperbaric therapy at the same time. It's mind blowing to me how much now that we're looking at the human genome and all these alternate therapies, mm -hmm. how much good we can do with these to prolong life in so many ways. Just like I thought it was great that 
President Biden was talking again about this push to try to eradicate 50% of all cancers by the mid 2030s, which would be so many promises, so many promises. We've been talking about getting rid of cancer since the 1960s. See how well we've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be too, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm being a little pessimistic there. (laughs) Well, speaking about cancer and radiation, I just wanted to give you two different scenarios. So if you're a male who has gotten one of these more common throat cancers that's coming about because of HPV and they have to do radiation and you've got the scar tissue around your throat, which I understand can be excruciating. I have a high school friend who had this done. Can this therapy help a person like that? So yes, anybody that's had a radiation injury, no matter where that radiation injury was, we've I've had patients that radiation injury to the brain from radiation from the brain or radiation injury from the head and neck cancers. It could be the teeth itself. It can be the jaw. It can be the neck. It can be the the hearing. It could be tinnitus or ringing in the ears as well. There could be throat issues, um, prostate cancer patients, breast breast cancer patients that have gotten radiation and have injuries and wounds. And um, all these patients really respond very well to hyperbaric therapy. It's not like one or two therapy sessions. It's a prolonged period of hyperbaric therapy, typically 40 to 60 hyperbaric sessions done daily, five days a week, two days off for that protocol. So it's a pretty intense type of protocol. But the reason for that is it, and I alluded to this earlier, is that there's the acute infusion of hyperbaric therapy of oxygen in the system. But the long-term benefit is that the shift in how we're rebuilding that architecture. And that just takes time. That's the time that it takes to to really see those shifts. And so rebuilding the, the tissue with new stem cells and new blood vessels and, and rebuilding connective tissue and everything else that's required for that tissue to be more robust over the long term and then to be healed, really. What I typically say here is it's a little bit of like kind of a stepping back thing and talk a little bit more about you know, cancer in general and how hyperbaric therapy might be helpful. We use hyperbaric therapy in cancer in about four or five different ways. Uh, the first wave is radiation injury. That's the FDA approved insurance approved way of using hyperbaric therapy is extremely effective. There is some studies that have shown that hyperbaric therapy can make chemotherapy and radiation work better. And it does this in various ways, which we don't have to get into here, but basically making them work better. There's also the ability of hyperbaric therapy to help you heal faster from any particular surgery or intervention that you might have. And this it's not just in cancer. This is any intervention, whether it's a hip replacement, a Tommy John surgery, a rotator cuff, a jaw surgery, whatever it might be, anywhere between 20 and 70% faster, depending on the injury, depending on your, your ecosystem, depending on how healthy you are to start off with. And so we know that surgical recovery is going to be faster after, uh, after using hyperbaric therapy. Those protocols typically are doing hyperbaric therapy before the surgery a couple of sessions at least, if you can, and then doing hyperbaric therapy afterwards, sort of preparing the tissue and getting it hyperoxygenated. And then after the, the surgery, continuing to maintain. So we have plastic surgery patients that come in. We have all different types of athletes and everybody else across the, the board, as you can imagine. So we have chemo. Th- so back to cancer, we have radiation injury. We have chemo and radiation sensitivity. We have surgical recovery. We have the next bucket for cancer is a large one. It's basically combining hyperbaric therapy as a stress on tumors in combination with other therapies that might also stress tumors as well. So the most common thing that we do now in that world is, is the ketogenic diet or ketones. Um, Dominic Diagostino, who I mentioned earlier, he's been a big researcher in this world. He did a study on a type of brain cancer, the ketogenic diet and hyperbaric therapy, and saw a significant reduction in metastatic 
burden of the cancer using that combination. So we're using hyperbaric therapy as a stress on the body, actually to stress tumor cells while also protecting normal cells in various ways. The, the last way we're using hyperbaric therapy is in supportive care. So people with injuries or brain fog, from chemo fatigue, from cancer treatment or low blood counts. It's a big catch-all, but can, can significantly help in that capacity as well, support the system. Okay. And just for the audience, I did want to point out that you are a board certified doctor and that yes. in your, in yeah. your practice, taking someone to HBOT is oftentimes not the first thing that they need to work on. You try to look at the patient holistically for instance, if their diet isn't good, if they're not getting exercise, sure. if they're drinking a 12 pack of beer every day, a lot of these treatments aren't going to do you any good or as Thank much you. good as they possibly can. Yeah. Thank so. you for pointing that out because that's, it's very much the case. I'm, I am an internal medicine physician. I'm certified in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I'm also certified in a framework of health called health optimization medicine, which is my foundational health framework, if I said that twice in the same sentence, my, my foundational health framework, which I use for my hyperbaric clinician, my hyperbaric patients, uh, which really is kind of alluding to what you mentioned before, which is the, the key for me is that if you have an acute injury, if you have something that's acute, it just happened yesterday, 72 hours ago, even a couple of weeks ago, like you just want to get into the chamber and heal faster. However, if you have a long-term issue or you have a long-term goal, then going into the chamber right away is likely not going to be as helpful as it could if you weren't optimizing your diet, your lifestyle, your, your practices, your supplements, checking on your cellular function, your gut function, your immune system health, doing all that stuff beforehand is extremely helpful. And like you mentioned, if you're drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes and eating pizza every day, no matter what I do or whatever you do in the chamber is going to be hamstrung, handicapped by that lifestyle that you have. And whatever impact it may have will likely not be as longstanding as if it was done in a more holistic and more integrative way. So my whole clinical practice is how can I optimize people the whole way through? And I use that foundational testing piece, the health optimization medicine piece. I use the hyperbaric piece, which is a fan, fantastic synergizer accelerator. And then I use other things along the way, whether it be supplements, diet, specific to very specific goals that people have. I use nootropics. I use lots of other things that you can kind of throw in there which are brain enhancing supplements. Um, I use athletic enhancing stuff. I do, you know, depending on the person that I'm working with, you have to personalize it to them. But for me, the foundation is always the framework of looking at that cellular foundation using health optimization medicine, which is my framework. And then I, on top of that, I will use, I will use hyperbaric therapy as my synergizer accelerator. And then in addition, I will use various techniques and practices that are very focused on these, on, on a patient's goals, whatever they may be. I'm going to take us down two paths. Uh, the first is I want to talk about neurogenerative diseases, specifically okay. getting into traumatic brain injury. And then I want to unpack peak performance after that. Sure. So the way I became aware of you is I suffered from a number of traumatic brain injuries. I, after those was just never myself. And so Kind of the way I equate this discussion is currently I have two different doctors. My primary care physician <laughs> is very much Western medicine is the only way. He tells me I'm wasting my money on even any vitamins that I'm taking or mm -hmm. other treatments. He doesn't believe in hormone replacement. So mm -hmm. there's that side. Mm -hmm. And then I have another doctor who's also a board certified doctor, but he 
believes in opening up the whole can of worms and looking at any modality that can help you. In my case, I spent literally 15 to 16 years in this state where I had cognitive decline. I had memory Mm. issues. I was having major sleep issues, irritability, and a couple of things fortunately happened to me. I got to meet um, Andrew Marr. And the reason I met him was through the movie that you were in. And I reached out to him um, as many veterans have. And I've had him on my podcast. One of his doctor now treats me I'm getting hormone replacement therapy and I'm getting high doses of omega-3s and other things. My whole life has changed for the better. For the first time, I feel like I have clarity. I can keep focus better, but it's even in the VA right now, they're still not allowing that type of medicine to be practiced, even though it's been found useful in thousands of veterans who have suffered very similar concussion-like symptoms that Andrew and I had. And then I had Dr. Jay Lombard uh, on the podcast, someone I want to introduce you to. He's a world-renowned neurologist who is actually on the cutting edge right now of finding alternative health treatments to basically turn around Alzheimer's and dementia, MLS, and other things. I'm not sure if he's using uh, HBOT, which is Hmm. one of the reasons I'd like you to talk to him. Sure. And it, it just made me want to ask, seeing that movie, and maybe you mm-hmm. can explain this to the audience, if you've suffered a traumatic brain injury and there are like 2 million people a year who, who get them, 5 mm-hmm. million people who are, are living like I did with long-term mm-hmm. impacts from them, how could a treatment like this help them? A traumatic brain injury really is the way I like to think about it. It's like a bruise on the brain. We are very good our bodies are very good at actually healing injuries outside of our brain because they can actually swell those areas. Swelling is a big way that like a knee injury, for example, if you bang up your knee, your knee's going to swell up like a balloon. And that's a reason, the reason why it does that it's a protective layer, but also it brings all your immune cells, everything to the area to start healing and clearing, clearing it up. And most of the time you have very little scar tissue left at the end. If you've had even a pretty significant injury, the problem with the brain is that it can't swell it's got a cranium around it. And so if the brain swells, you die. And so this, we know if you've had a severe traumatic brain injury and and maybe, you know, people that have John, I know I have, and they've had to be in the ICU. They've had to have part of their skull removed so that pressure can be relieved. And there was some interesting work that was done back in the late 1990s, actually early 1990s, maybe uh, by a group in Minnesota that looked at animals first and then humans in the early 2000s in the setting of an acute traumatic brain injury. So what they did was they, we'll talk about the human part of this. What they did is that uh, the people that were, that fit the criteria for the study were people with severe traumatic brain injuries, and they all needed to be in the ICU. They all needed to be on ventilators. They all needed to uh, be sedated so that nobody knew what was going on. And then what they did is they took one group and put them in a hyperbaric environment just three times, the first three days when they got there. And the other group, they didn't the mortality rate was half. So that improvement in mortality by 50% and the morbidity was significantly improved as well. Morbidity means disability. So about 30 to 40% better as far as their functional capacity after such a severe event. And the reason why I think it works so well in the acute setting, and we'll talk about it in the, the chronic setting too, is that it's that acute 
injury that causes the swelling. It causes the inflammation. It causes the dysfunction of tissue because of vascular damage. So if you can get hyperbaric therapy, if you can get oxygen in the system fast, you can see reversing of a lot of those those markers, those metrics that can kill people in the early setting, especially the one they saw that was the biggest, uh, the biggest indicator of hyperbaric therapy was help that was, was going to help is if he had more increased cranial intracranial pressure. So the, the, the patients that had the highest intracranial pressure did the best with hyperbaric therapy. Basically the brain swole swells up. And even if you put a burr hole or an opening, you can still get a lot of swelling. So hyperbaric therapy really helped with that. So mortality, mortality was half and disability was like 30 to 40% better if they got into a hyperbaric environment, just three times, just three times, wow. the first three. Days. And so in the acute setting, let's call it a really crappy pun, a no brainer, as far as I'm concerned. And right now they're doing a phase two, or it's actually a phase three study, I believe it's called the Hobbit trial, H-O-B-I-T. And it's looking at hyperbaric oxygen therapy in the brain injury in this acute setting. We're very excited about this trial. We're very hopeful that it'll become the new standard of care for treating traumatic brain injury in the acute setting when you have a severe injury. Now, for people with chronic traumatic brain injury, these are post-concussive syndrome that's lasted, the definition is greater than three months or so. The idea here is that, as I was alluding to before, the brain doesn't want to swell, right? It doesn't want to unless it really needs to, or it has no choice. And um, But in general, you can't heal a wound in your brain as easily as you can heal a wound on your knee because you just can't bring all the things that you want to it because there's the handicapped capacity of the brain to be able to do those kinds of things. And so what happens oftentimes is you get an injury that doesn't completely heal. And the way I like to think about this, John, is the example I give is if you have a still lake in the water, no wind, it's completely still, and you throw a rock into it, there's a direct impact of that rock. And there's all the ripples around where that rock impacted. The ripple area is much larger than the impacted area that hit directly when the rock hit the water. So if you can imagine in traumatic brain injury, you have direct impacts where you're gonna have tissue death. It's going to happen, especially for a larger injury. But from a comparison perspective, the ripple area is, is much larger. And in the, T, the TBI example, this is the area of, of tissue that's been injured, but that's not dead. It's just tissue that's been injured that has the potential to reverse and to optimize and to regenerate itself if given what it needs, which the things that it needs, new stem cells, new blood vessels, which all require more oxygen. So right. in the, in the post-concussive world, we're using hyperbaric therapy to regenerate the architecture of the brain that's been injured, especially in those rippled areas. We call it the pericontusional area, the area around the bruise that can heal. It's like all that yellow area around your bruise that you see on your knee or whatever, like that's your pericontusional area. And like the scar area is the part that doesn't heal, but everything else is what heals. Right. And so it's the same thing that happens in your brain. And so we're just accelerating the process and decreasing the amount of scar tissue that could potentially be there uh, as a result of the injury. And that's kind of information there. I'm definitely going to study it more, but a lot of this is on the same lines that Jay is looking at. However, he's really try to, trying to study proteins and why proteins get stuck sure. um, and not yeah, flushed a, out of the system. Yeah, that's um, a big deal. And I think what also, you know, Mark Gordon does and a lot of the other people that are working in the TBI space, Michael Lewis and, and others that are on Andrew Marr's advisory team and work with him is they're looking at the inflammatory component of this. And that's a really big deal. That's where hyperbaric therapy is really working a lot in the post-concussive syndrome world as well as working on brain inflammation. And so if you can decrease brain inflammation, whether you're using peptides, using certain supplements, 
using hyperbaric therapy. There's lots of different ways, fish, like the fish oils of the world and high dose hormones. Like these are all pieces to the puzzle, for example. And so we've had some people that just do hyperbaric therapy, do great. Others that just do hormones and do great. But oftentimes it's hormones, it's hyperbaric therapy. It's even stem cells I've had with TBI patients over the years uh, and high dose fish oil. I mean, it's usually a combination of things is really going to be the best for most people. I really want to get on this peak performance because that's probably sure. what a lot of the audience wants to talk about. I want to kind of cover it in three different areas. You named one person who has publicly talked about his use of HBOT, which is Tony Robbins, who right. I think he's in his mid sixties now, but he now feels like he could live to 120. I think he has a new baby. In fact, in the Silicon Valley, you hear about nootropics, you hear about people microdosing, especially things uh, like mushrooms and LSD. And then obviously there's people who are buying these H bots for inside their houses. So sure. I wanted to first kind of go into these, uh, this whole area of nootropics because I'm taking one myself right now. I, I had no idea that's what it was, but uh, I've been using <laughs> a product called magic mind. They sponsor this podcast in conjunction with athletic green. I didn't know what to believe, but literally within 72 hours after starting to take it, that afternoon down that you often feel like during the day disappeared. And I just felt this energy all day through mm -hmm. that um, I didn't have before. I know you're heavily involved in these. How do they work? And is there really something like the blue pill that you can take? Right. So I've been in and around the optimal performance and athletic performance biohacking space for almost eight years now. One of the major areas that's been interesting to me throughout that time, especially recently has been nootropics and nootropics definition wise is a brain enhancing supplement. It's a difficult category to describe if you just leave it at that. I think what's important to think about is that there are various things that enhance your brain function that support your brain. And there are various things that enhance your brain function that can clock your brain, that can stimulate your brain. Like, so for example, caffeine is a nootropic that stimulates your brain. It's a performance related nootropic. We have a company called Troscriptions. It's called Troscriptions because it's trochies, which are these dissolvable lozenges between your cheek and your gums. Let them dissolve there over 15 to 30 minutes. And the second part of the word is prescriptions. It comes from the word prescriptions. These are precision dosed pharmaceutical grade physician formulated myself and others in the company. We make trochies or make nootropics, but we are very careful to talk about what type of nootropic you're taking. Are you taking a, a, what we call a health optimization nootropic, one that optimizes, helps your system work better? Or are you taking a performance optimizing nootropic, one that's improving performance, uh, but may not be actually good for you on the sense of helping with your cellular optimization, or it might be clocking your system in some ways. So typically, when you think of uh, a performance-related uh, nootropic, you're thinking of ones that are stimulants in general. So the most commonly prescribed one is Adderall, of course, but there's also things like nicotine and caffeine, for example, which are stimulants that stimulate the body to work faster and increase hormones and neurotransmitters that, that, that make you do that or help you do that. And caffeine, of course, falls into that category, but something like L-theanine, for example, which is in other types of, is more of a supportive one. It helps with relaxation and it helps kind of balance out sort of caffeine, for example. So matcha, for example, is a, is a, something that has both of those in them. So in my practice, I use a lot of nootropics, especially in the beginning when I'm working with people that really have issues with brain fog and fatigue and trying to, to support them. It's op cellular optimization. So we use one particular nootropic a lot in our company called methylene blue. This is something that turns your mouth blue a little bit. It also turns your urine blue. 
Uh, it's been around a long time. It helps with mitochondrial optimization. It works just like oxygen in the cells, allows you to make energy, but it also works like an antioxidant. And it works on the, the mitochondria itself to help you make more energy from the oxygen that's around as well. And there's a lot of different ways it works, but it basically supports your mitochondria. And so we use that a lot in our products. We have one that's just methylene blue by itself. And then we have another one that has methylene blue, nicotine, caffeine, and CBD together, all four together. And it has the nicotine and caffeine, which are stimulants, but it has methylene blue and CBD, which are both neuroprotective and also improve just the general sort of ecosystem of the brain so that you have a better experience overall. So you have a good on-ramp, good off-ramp kind of thing. So I'm a big fan of nootropics. I think that they just need to be used in context in the sense of you're using something that's clocking your brain every day. It may not go well over time, especially if you're not addressing that cellular foundation. And in the health optimization world, we're looking at what can support the system and also enhance brain function that way. So if you want your brain to work best, you have to have good cellular function, good hormone function, good immune system function, good gut function. That's what's really going to sustain you over the long term. You're not a pill, whether it be the limitless pill from the movie or blue canatine, which is our one that's similar to limitless pill in the way you feel. You don't want to do these things all the time, especially if you're not optimized on that foundation. Okay. We're probably not going to have time to dive into the psychedelics, but I did want to ask if you were interested in buying one of these HBOTs for your home, how much do they typically range in price? So the mild units are really good for neurocognitive optimization, muscle recovery, some of the performance related metrics that we were talking about before. We didn't really talk a lot about them, but I, I work with athletes that are looking at to improve endurance, to improve muscle recovery, to work with jet lag. Uh, injury recovery as well, of course, and also cognitive performance. And a lot of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and people in that area where I formerly lived were using chambers and not telling other entrepreneurs and CEOs that they were doing them as well. I was surprised that they didn't want anybody else to know. It was part of that culture, how our brains are going to function best. So obviously using nootropics, but the chambers were a big part of that actually for a lot of people in the area. And I, and I worked with a lot of them. And I think if you're looking at the chamber for those reasons, then I think a mild unit that can get to your home is something that would be tenable. It would be an option. It would be potentially helpful. The pricing ranges pretty dramatically, but you're looking at like on the lowest end, like about 8,000 and on the higher end, about 20 to 23,000 dollars for a chamber. And I work with a couple of companies. I have my own company that's making hyperbaric technology called HBOT Plus, actually. We have our own company that is making technology to make these chambers better and with wellness protocols and all these other kinds of things that we're working on now. Um, and you get what you pay for in general. Um, the smaller units um, are less money. The, the, the nicer units, the, the ones a little more versatile are more money in general. And I have resources. If your audience is interested, they can always reach out to me or reach out to my company and, and I can, I'm happy to help. And if you can shoot all of those to me, I will put them in the show notes. I love to put as many resources as I can. If someone listening wanted to get a hold of you, how can they do that? So yeah, good question. The easiest place is probably to go to my website. It's drscottsher.com. My name, D-R-S-C-O-T-T-S-H-E-R-R.com. And that's mostly my hyperbaric practice. Although I'm in the process of transitioning that to be more of my kind of catch-all for everything that I do, but right now it'll go to my hyperbaric practice. If you're interested in consulting with me, uh, I work with people all over the world and I help optimize hyperbaric protocols before, during, and after as well, not just about the chamber itself, but how and what you're doing before, during, and after is extremely important. I work with clinics all around the world. And then if you're interested in 
nootropics and want to try some of the products that I was describing, we have a company called Troscriptions. We're on Instagram, of course, Troscriptions, T-R-O, scriptions, like prescriptions, or Troscriptions.com, the website. And yeah, I mean, you can always search for me if you're very interested in a very particular topic. I've, I've done a lot of podcasts over the years on very specific things. I've had, I have lectures specifically on traumatic brain injury, for example, that you can find. I've done things specifically on biohacking and performance as well that you can find. Um, but yeah, I think those are the main places. Okay. Well, Dr. Scott, I, th- this was mind blowing for me. So down the road, I would love to have you back on to go deeper in a couple of these topics. Thank you for everything you're doing to help people, especially traumatic brain injury patients. And thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, John. What a great interview that was with Dr. Scott Schur. And during the episode, we talked about several of my previous episodes, including the one I did with former Green Beret, Andrew Marr, who's the founder of the Warrior Angels Foundation, which is helping veterans throughout the United States and Canada recover from post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injuries. We also talked about Dr. Michael Lewis, who's one of the foremost experts on traumatic brain injury, and Dr. Jay Lombard, a neurologist who's on the cutting edge of finding cures for ALS and other neurodegenerative diseases. And if you're new to the show, or you would just like to introduce us to friends or family members, we now have episode starter packs, both on Spotify and on the Struck website. And these are collections of your favorite episodes that we organize by topic to give any new listener a great way to easily get acquainted to everything that we do here on the show. Just go to passionstruck.com slash starter packs to get started. And if there's a guest like Dr. Schur that you would like to see me interview or a topic you would like to see me cover in one of my solo episodes on Momentum Friday, please reach out to us at Momentum Friday at passionstruck.com. Now go out there and be passion struck. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the passion struck podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passion Struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us. 